Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Ding special edition. I'm your host, Zach Harper. Mike Smeltz is pushing buttons, making everything sound good. We've got a special edition today because Chantel Jennings joins us for an incredible piece that she wrote on WNBA activism during the bubble, during really more than that. And so, Chantel, I want to jump right into it. And, and thanks for joining this. Again, a, a phenomenal piece um, that I was lucky enough to read before it, it got out. And um, I guess my first question to you is, the tone like, or one of the one of the themes in in your piece is, you know, the, the NBA is looked at as this progressive league. Or I'll put it in, in my words of the league is looked at as this progressive league as the progressive league. And yet it does feel like in a lot of these situations, the WNBA is actually out ahead of it first. Do you feel like that bothers WNBA players um, or, the, or the league itself? Or is it just as long as the message eventually gets out there, you know, we're good with it? Or is it somewhere in between? You know, that that wasn't something I necessarily spoke with players about. Um, I think just because it's sort of a side issue, right? Sort of this way that women's leadership, but especially Black women's leadership, often gets looked over or sort of bypassed once the message is carried by a dude, right? Right. Um, And so I think that was not necessarily something I spoke with about any of the players that, that I chatted with. But... I think it's it goes back to the fact that so many of the women who are in this league have fought for so much for so long that I think sort of the idea of like, I can't believe the NBA is now getting credit for this. That's probably not like number one, two or three on their priority list um, because it's also just kind of how it's been. But right. I think the good thing about what they did this season or, or not even what they did, but what they did this season, I think so many more people are widening their scope to realize that it's it's so much bigger than the NBA and it started earlier than the NBA. It started earlier than Colin Kaepernick and that was largely black women in the WNBA. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, we spotlight Breonna Taylor's murder because that's become kind of the the viral moment lately in all that right but as as you mentioned throughout and as, as you know everyone involved in in the activism in the WNBA you know mentions mentions throughout it's um yes that's a tragedy but there's, there's you know countless tragedies it feels like and and the players and and everyone involved you know talk to the family members talk to you know those affected by by you know black women feeling um feeling and being targeted you know uh, by police, by, you know, just, just kind of being brushed aside in, in all these tragedies. And one of the things I, I really love from your piece was that I do think a lot of this stuff when athletes or celebrities in general um, speak out about the stuff, people, a lot of people accuse it of being performative, but the, the players involved here, like they're talking to the the victim's family, the victim's friends, they're learning the story. So it's not just, oh, we heard about another name. Like they really know this. They really feel this because of what their experience is and then seeing just how bad that experience could end up being in a different circumstance. Early in the piece, I write about Asia Wilson and how she, on the day that the grand jury indictment came down and there were no murder charges pressed, she came into media and she's standing there And, you know, it was via Zoom because we weren't in the bubble, but you can just see sort of the emotion on her face. And at one point she said, you know, 
like, this is me. It's me. My mom sees me in these women. I see myself in these women. And so like, again, this is a league of 80% black women and, and they went beyond it, not being like performative because they did bring in Kimberly Crenshaw, who is the founder of the African-American policy forum and the say her name organization, which a lot of people think say her name is a hashtag, but it's actually an organization of mothers and sisters of women who have been killed and murdered by state violence. Um, and it's sort of this sisterhood of sorrow is what they call it, um, that supports one another. And they brought mothers and sisters in via Zoom to talk to the players. And so it makes what they did this season all the more impressive that they played 22 regular season games over 50 days. And on the days that they just had practice or just had recovery, they were having these kind of Zoom calls that were emotional and draining and like just all consuming in different ways than playing 22 games over 50 days. It was, um, you know, I think as a reporter, you want to separate yourself from a story, but you can't sit in a press conference and listen to a woman talk about another woman being murdered. And she's sitting there and saying, you know, this is me. My mom sees me in these women and not feel it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you mentioned, you know, this, this activism started long before, um, you know, this year it started before the Colin Kaepernick stuff from from four years ago, uh, four plus years ago at this point, and and it and you know you you see it with with what they're doing, you see it with what Maya Moore has sacrificed, and 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 other players who you know in her you know fight for for prison reform, right? And and a lot going on there. What do you like? Is it quantifiable to know like the impact that has on off the court? I know I know the voting initiative, and and, and maybe we'll see some of the. The numbers. I know there was money raised um, for the the opponent uh, Warnock over. Uh, I believe it was Raphael Warnock over Kelly Loeffler, right? For mm-hmm. um, the the Atlanta Dream uh, co governor. Um, I I do like. I wonder how you how anyone can measure just exactly what this impact is if if it's even possible. Yeah, I don't know if it is possible to measure sort of the impact. It's you know like the ripples in water. Like how can you measure exactly where they come from when you're standing at the shore? You can't really because they like connect with others and and they hit other points that hit them in other directions. And so I think the main thing is that they knew they had an opportunity this season. They knew it was a presidential election year that not just presidential elections were happening. You know, they knew that it was also a census year. Like they took shot clock violations during games this year to force the commentators during games to talk about the census. Like Hmm. when has a league ever given a shit about the census? (laughs) But the census is really, really important. It's how Americans are counted. It's how our electoral map is made. It's how like fun are distributed and so like they they took up these causes and educated themselves i i'm consistently amazed with sort of what they do because they would be speaking in these settings and they would go from talking about you know how they're going to defend the las vegas aces one second and then they're asked a question about the census and then they're asked a question about well you know how is, how is your shooting or your free throw percentage? And then they're asked a question about qualified immunity. Like this is such an interesting, informed, smart league of women. Um, And I think people who paid attention and because TV ratings were up this year, you know, I think people really saw that. So what was the impact exactly? I don't know. I don't think we can ever know exactly, but there was an impact. I think we can definitively say that. 
you know, I, I think maybe the most impressive part of this to me is obviously the action and the activism is great, but it's, you know, if the, if the NBA does this, you know, it it's all these guys have, have so much to lose, right? Because there's, you know, $30 million contracts, $10 million contracts, 15, whatever, right? The money is insane. And with the WNBA players, like the contracts aren't comparable in, in any way, right? And and so there, there isn't as much to lose in terms of like money, but in terms of options and livelihood with this stuff, they're, they're risking, they're, they're actually risking everything as opposed to the NBA players, um, and I don't want to discount what the NBA players are doing, but it does it does feel like a bigger risk with with the WNBA just because the financial health of the leagues are aren't currently comparable. Yeah, and I think it's it's tough again. I mean, it's definitely apples and oranges when we're talking about salaries, but you know, this is a league where if if a person who's been making what ten million dollars a year steps away, like how much money do they already have in their bank account versus right. these women who don't make that, won't make that over their entire career. Um, So yeah, this, but it's, again, like you go back sort of these women, just historically what they've sort of fought for and how they fought for the game and for, for themselves within it. Um, You know, it's, it's not a league for anyone who's, who's weak in any way, because the minute the season's over, these women are off to Russia or China or Turkey to start playing basketball again. Um, and they're continuing to bring their message over there. And so in terms of their marketability, I, you know, I think, again, we'll sort of see the effects, the ripple effect of all of this in the coming years. But I think there's this idea that you know, like shut up and dribble. Right. And there's the people who really believe, you know, don't mix politics and sports and Kelly Loeffler is definitely in that group. And then there's other people who, who don't care. And then there's other people who really want their sports icons to be politically and socially engaged. And again, you look at all the leagues and where their numbers are, I guess, TV wise, sort of engagement wise following like the WNBA was up this year. And yes, they had more games on TV than ever before, but the league that was the most socially conscious and politically involved had higher ratings this year than they ever have before. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's probably going to be one of those things that we look at 10 years from now and have a better idea of how it plays out. I, this is a very broad question, but I, I'm curious what resonated the most with you. Like, what was your biggest takeaway from from your reporting? So this is my first year covering the league, and mm-hmm. I've followed the league for for a long time, and and I've been a fan of women's basketball. I grew up playing the sport, um, so I know about these women. Um, but I think there's something different. Like, this is a piece that I've reported out over the last three months. Um, And I've had an opportunity to speak with so many people sort of outside of basketball. I spoke with Kimberly Crenshaw, who, as I said, founded the African-American Policy Forum. Carolyn DeWitt, who is the CEO of Rock the Vote. I spoke with Reverend Raphael Warnock, who's running for senator in in Georgia. And I think what's very interesting is sort of myself as a woman looking at the strength of these women. And, And I'm not a black woman, so I don't understand entirely, but sort of seeing daily in their press conferences, um, what they shouldered this season, and then also speaking to these other activists and politicians and organizers and hearing from them as well, like what these women are doing is so impressive. Like 
it's not just the fact that I don't understand organizing. So I think it's impressive. It's like <laughs> people who do this for their job are saying, right. I don't know how these women are doing this in addition to their job as professional basketball players. So I think that was just sort of, I came away from the season feeling like, oh my gosh, like this, this league, this season, what a first year to cover it because sort of the strength of these women was on display in every way. Yeah, and, and you mentioned it's Carolyn Swords, who was uh, at least back in, uh, I believe it was 2017, she was she was in Poland, right? She, mm-hmm. she goes overseas and, you know, a lot of a lot of these women, if not all the women, go and play overseas to to keep making money to to play basketball, um, you know, figuring out what can, you know, what can I do? Like you just it's it is like this inundating, like never ending shit cycle of news that that just like it feels like it just climbs on top of you. You have. Um, you have Sydney Colson, who's who's you know from the Chicago Sky, who is uh, recovering from COVID, right? And and mm-hmm. you know kind of quarantined away, trying to figure out what to do. At a certain point, like I I I'm I'm with you. Like I'm amazed at how just like it feels it feels exhausting keeping up with it, let alone doing something about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't to go back to sort of Carolyn Swords. That was one of the things we talked about where you know, I live in Portland, Oregon, and there are mornings that I wake up at 7am West Coast time. And I'm like, holy shit, uh, am I going to open Twitter? What am I going to find this morning? Right. Because the East Coast has already been up for like three hours. Yeah. Um, and she's in Poland. And so she would literally go to bed and wake up in the morning. And there had been, you know, an entire day, basically for stuff to happen. And she's wondering what's going to happen. And she comes from a family that's engaged in politics at the time, two of her brothers were working for congressmen on Capitol Hill. Um, Yeah, it's, I think also what was really interesting to hear from some of the players was how the emotional and mental and spiritual as well, a lot of the players said sort of toll of this season, the totality of that toll um, impacted their physical bodies. These are athletes, their their body is their vehicle for their job. And so, or a part of it at least. And listening to Neka Agwumake, who's the president of the WNBPA, she is someone who holds her stress in her back. And that was something that I didn't necessarily think of instantly when I saw her listed on injury reports for the Sparks. I was like, oh, a back injury. You know, maybe she got dinged sort of in a in a drill, right? But it was, no, these are stress injuries from emotional and mental stress. And she missed the last game of the season, the playoff game of the season for the Sparks. She said, she had so much stress that she was holding in her body from sort of the demands of the season. And and she reiterated, I wouldn't give it up for a second, but there was so much that she had carried the season that it exacerbated a concussion. She had, she could not play anymore. And so it was listed as a migraine during, during the season, but like the sort of how it all manifests itself physically for some of the players, Sydney Colson had mentioned, she started experiencing kind of like panic attack, heart palpitations um, for the first time in her life while they're in the bubble. And sort of, again, the demands of of all of this on every level for a league of 80% Black women. Um, it's like, I don't think we can say enough how impressive the season was for the WNBA. Yeah, the, there was a moment um, that you, you mentioned in, there was a virtual event in uh, September with Bloomberg and Sue Bird says, we're obviously women and we're gay and we're Black. That's like a large percentage of our league is some sort of makeup there. And who are these issues all affecting, especially right now, black women. And that is our league. That is literally who this league is. I, I wonder because it does. I mean, I think, I think it's pretty obvious. You can look at um, statistics. You can look at uh, 
just the way the news is covered, everything like, you know, black women are largely forgotten in a lot of these stories and a lot of, a lot of these tragedies is just kind of pushed aside um, as opposed to um, other things that might grab headlines. It's why the Breonna Taylor thing is so impressive in terms of a reaction to me because it has endured. Right. And it it still endures even after Mm -hmm. just the embarrassing decisions by, by Daniel Cameron in in Louisville. Um, I I want, you know, you said as a, as a white woman, like you can, you know, there, you can understand that to a level, but you don't understand as, as you know, a black woman would. And as a straight white male, like that is basically the opposite demographic in terms like either I don't understand any of it on any level in terms of, of feeling that right. I can, mm-hmm. I can feel for them, but feeling that it's different. So how does that, if I guess my long rambling messages or question is, you know, Sue Bird saying this maybe resonates that message better because it's like, Oh, it is a white woman saying this. Right. But how does that message keep getting amplified and keep getting pushed in a way that will resonate if the standard is to push these aside? Yeah. So that was one of the things when I spoke with Kimberly Crenshaw that we spent a lot of time talking about this, that when she speaks with people and when she speaks with white people, you know, she will talk about sort of framing and facts. So if someone doesn't accept your frame, they're going to reject your facts. And so if people's frame is that police violence doesn't exist, your facts won't matter to them about police violence. If your frame is that police violence happens, but that it happens largely or only to black men, that's when black women and brown women get forgotten in the story. And that's her whole message in Say Her Name is that we need to expand our frames. We need to sit back and understand that the frame is larger, the scope is larger than what we've accepted. And and once we can expand, we as in all people, once we can expand our frame, then we can accept the facts that, you know, police violence isn't just something that happens to Black men, though they have, you know, sort of the stories that we have heard of police violence have have mostly been of Black men. And so that's the role of Say Her Name is to bring up the names and to say the names and to tell the stories of the Black women who have been killed by state violence, by police violence. Yeah. And and, and what one Crenshaw said, and I've never seen it worded like this, and, and it really resonated with me, was when she talked about activating becoming witnesses and accomplice, accomplices and demanding justice. I've just never seen it worded like that before. And I, like, I thought like, I don't know, at least for me, I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. That's what it all should be like. And I don't know that that, I don't know that I've just ever seen it framed like that, but maybe I'm not looking at the right stuff. Yeah, no. And one, another thing she had said to me was just sort of, you know, listening. And I think as white people, that's something we can all do better, but like, (laughs) she was saying, you know, just getting people to listen and to create those broader narratives and hear those stories, um, you know, that's important. You're not like very rarely do people learn something when they're talking, right? So people just need to shut up and listen so that they can expand and have sort of these broader frameworks that you can learn more facts and that you can understand better and that you can understand experiences that aren't your own. And that was what Kimberly had really said in terms of the season was that what the WNBA did was it helped people expand their frameworks, expand their frames so that they could hear these facts and understand them in a way that maybe they hadn't understood them before. Yeah. And I, th- I think one thing that I've tried to impart, at least during a, the last few months, is you don't have to have a yeah, but when listening. Sometimes <laughs> you can just 
shut the fuck up and listen right like they want the they want athletes to shut up and dribble like we, we could just shut up and listen sometimes it has to be yeah but what about the no, the what aboutisms can kind of uh kick rocks and and not be involved in these conversations it could just be um you listening and and actively listening not just waiting for your turn to talk with a lot of this stuff uh Chantel before I let you go I, I'm curious because it is such a, a a great big piece like was there anything that didn't make it in that you you kind of wish you had or is that kind of tucked <laughs> away for another time <laughs> Was there anything that didn't make it in? Oh, of course there was. Yeah. Um, I want to say this was one of those stories where I called my editor a few times. I'm like, so how do we feel about 4,000 words? How do we feel about 5,000? How do we feel about 6,000 words? Um, no, I, I do feel this was, there were so many times throughout the season when I felt, I knew I wanted to write this piece from early on in the season. And so it was a lot of gathering throughout and because I knew it was going to take longer to get some of these voices, especially people like Raphael Warnock, he is running for, you know, a spot in the Senate. He's yeah, not I someone... would imagine that that schedule is very busy. I would imagine. Yeah. And so I'm like, hi, I'm, I'm a senior writer for the athletic. He's like, what? I have like all of these things I need to do. Um, but he didn't, you know, he was kind enough to make time. And so there were a lot of times throughout the season it was almost like a lesson in patience where I was like, I should write about this. I should write about this. And I was like, no, sort of being able to tell the story um, in full and being able to explain how, you know, this wasn't just an impressive sort of three month stretch, but it's sort of built on this legacy of what they've done before and the actions of so many different women in this league and sort of the, um, the witnesses and accomplices that you talked about that have, that have helped them along the way. And then being able to bring in the voices from outside of the league to really lend credence to what they've done and what they have established um, and looking forward, because I do think they have in a way set a blueprint for other leagues. When you talk about, you know, what are you going to do moving forward? Um, how are you going to react? How are you going to enact change? Um, I thought it was really interesting when the NBA announced their social justice council, <coughs> um, excuse me, when the NBA announced their social justice council, I got on a conference call with Lasia Clarendon from the New York Liberty. And I asked her, you know, she's on the social justice council in the WNBA, which was announced, you know, earlier this summer. I said, did the NBA call you guys and sort of ask for your advice or your guidance in terms of what they should do or how they should form it or, you know, sort of action points moving forward? And she said, no. And it was just one of those things like, when, when are other leagues going to realize that there is a blueprint that, right. you know, if they're choosing to sort of step into this arena, there are 144 women who are already there that have, um, have some advice for you. Well, behind the WNBA season that brought the league from activist organizers, I cannot recommend this enough. Uh, it's a fantastic piece. It's great reporting. It's great storytelling. And uh, Chantel Jennings, one of the best basketball journalists in the in the in the business, you did a great job with this. Do a great job covering the WNBA for us. Thank you for for writing the piece and thanks for talking about it. Thanks, Zach. Uh, that's going to do it for the Daily Ding. If you're not subscribed to The Athletic to where you can read Chantel's piece, what's wrong with you? you got to subscribe. Subscribe to The Athletic through that article and, uh, and make sure that uh, you're catching the best coverage of sports out there on the Internet. And uh, we'll be back with another Daily Ding sometime near in the future.